You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, becoming financially whole, doing good work, and making good money with Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 Journeyer. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode. This one is a long time coming. I am speaking to someone that I consider a powerhouse in the personal finance entrepreneurship business space, Tiffany, the budget nista, Aliche. Now, before we hop into this episode, I want to remind you that doors to the Money Launch Club are closing. Depending on when you're listening to this, if you Catch this in real time. Doors close on April 8th, 2021. So if you're listening to this in time and you want to join a community that can help you get focused, give you accountability, get the tools you need to stay consistent and motivated to financial freedom and independence, the Money Launch Club is for you. So go to moneylaunchclub.com to join us before doors close. Now in this interview with Tiffany. I mean, I call this just like a casual conversation. I literally felt like we were just two girlfriends catching up, even though this is literally the first time I've actually spoken to Tiffany one-on-one, but I've known of her. I've seen her around. You know, you can't miss her if you are a personal finance creator in the space because she has such a massive platform. Tiffany is an award-winning teacher of financial education and is quickly becoming America's favorite personal finance educator. Through her company, The Budget Nista, Tiffany has created a financial movement that's helped over 1 million women worldwide collectively save over $200 million, pay off over $100 million of debt, purchase homes, transform lives. And she's going to talk about her journey from being a preschool teacher making $39,000 a year to running an eight-figure business. She is going to talk about what that took to get from where she started, living in purpose, serving in joy, and how you can give and serve and make money at the same time. She's going to take us through that journey while touching upon what can make us financially whole. I'm really excited because her book is out now, Get Good With Money. She'll talk more about that too. So I really can't wait for you to hear this episode. Tiffany also, by the way, is the host of a podcast called Brown Ambition. So you should check that out too, wherever you listen to this podcast. The Journey to Launch podcast is sponsored by DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. Happy Financial Literacy Month. It's April, if you're listening to this, when the podcast comes out. So yes, it's Financial Literacy Month. DCU is sponsoring the 2021 EverFi Financial Literacy B, which is a nationwide initiative open to any U.S. or Canadian student. DCU member or non-DCU member between the ages of 13 to 18 years of age. The B is made up of a four-part online course and an essay contest where students will have the opportunity to win up to $10,000 in college scholarships and runs through April 15th, 2021. So you still have time to apply. A committee of EverFi judges will select the winners in mid-May. Entries will be judged based on creativity, the content of the message, quality of writing, and demonstrated understanding of the financial concepts from the course. Three winners will receive college scholarships and their essays will be shared with written approval on the EverFi Financial B website and their affiliates. Scholarships will be awarded in the form of a 529 college savings scholarship. 
For more information on the EverFi Financial Literacy Bee and sponsor of the podcast, DCU, please visit dcu.org slash financial bee. That's dcu.org slash F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L-B-E-E. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Okay, journeyers, I'm excited. I feel like this is long overdue, but it's right on time because we are talking to Tiffany Aliche, the budget nista on the podcast today. Hi, Tiffany. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, <laughs> I've been wanting to come on for such a long time. I'm like, when will it be my turn? It's what well, it's your turn because you have an amazing book coming out. Um, actually, the week that this releases, it's going to be the first week. When is the release date? March 30th. Okay, so this will be this podcast is coming out right in time for people to go grab it called Get Good with Money. But before we get into the actual book, I want to talk a bit about your journey to becoming the budget nista. Now, there's some people in my audience who might not know you. There's some people who do because I feel like you are a powerhouse in the personal finance space um, as a leader and entrepreneur. But you started as a preschool teacher. Yes, I did. And I love that about you. So I want to hear more about that. And actually, it's probably my favorite part of the story because I really love teaching. I taught preschool for over 10 years and it was my intention that I would still be teaching preschool. Like right about now, the kids would be sitting down for circle time and we'd be doing our letter shapes, colors, numbers, and we would have a letter of the day that I would have released them to go play. Like I always, sometimes I, I will look at the time and say, right about now, 10 years ago, Tiffany, it would be nap time or it'd be outside time. Yeah, I after graduating college, um, I had a, a business degree, but I hated all my internships. And I've always loved teaching. And while on campus at school, I worked at the child care center to make extra money, um, work study. And I was like, wait, I love this. I want to do this, but I'm a junior. I've already taken all my classes. So I said, just finish your degree and then see what you can do to teach after college. And so I did. And I taught preschool because at the time, you didn't have to have a teacher's license to teach preschool, just a, um, a degree, a college degree. And so I said, I'll go back for my teaching license, which I did. And I thought I would move on to older grades, but I fell in love with preschool. So, And I was smiling because I have three young kids. I just dropped, I did the, the rush just now. I had to drop them all off. And one is at preschool right now. So I'm just like, oh, like, you know, oh, it would have been like, I just get that. I get that. And what I, this is why I love your story because, okay, you started with a business degree was honest with yourself that, okay, this is not what I want. Like, and you know, with a business degree in technical terms, you're supposed to be able to make more money than as a teacher. But you said to yourself, I'm assuming, and you can bring me back to that, that that didn't matter about the money. You were following your passions as a teacher. Yes, because I'm someone I realized, it took me a little while to realize really it was college that I recognized in myself and everyone has to recognize for themselves. I have a very small, what I call BS cup, Right. So meaning that there are a lot of people that can take a lot. Like, I hate this job. I could still go. I hate this teacher. I could still get an A. I hate this class. I could still excel. And so I, I noticed in myself through high school, much to my parents' um, frustration, 
that I would randomly get all A's one year and then C's the next year. And then, and they're just like, what's going on? And I realized for me that when I worked joyfully, whatever was bringing me joy, I excelled. And when I didn't, even if it was something I was good at, I did not. And so I, once I recognized that in myself, I really honed that in college, like Tiffany statistics is hard. Why are you getting an A sis? Because I love the teacher. She was really nice and funny. And then I'm like, but meanwhile, you're getting a D in finance, which is basic, like compared to statistics. And I'm like, that's because that teacher is boring. And that teacher is me. And I don't like the way he talks to me, you know? <laughs> and so I realized like, okay, Tiffany, for you, you have to find an environment or something that you can latch onto that brings you extreme joy if you are going to excel. So after my internships, I hated all of them. And I said, even though the work is not hard, you know, like, and, and they offered me a job after I graduated, they offered me a job for $50,000. I remember one of my internships and then, or I could be this preschool teacher for 39,000. So $11,000 difference, which is huge for a 21 year old or 20 yeah. year old. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, Tiffany, even though you're going to make $11,000 more here, you hate it. And you are going to tank and they likely will fire you because you get C's and D's where you don't find joy right? But teaching preschool, you love. And because um, I learned how to manage my money at home, my father was a CFO and an accountant, and we would literally get money lessons at home, that do I really need to make as much to be able to navigate like a happy life as a teacher? So I chose teaching and I said, I'm just going to really tighten up. And really that summer, I read every finance book I could find. I started to like plan my finances ahead of time. I decided to stay home for a year to gather like a nest egg before I moved out. So I pre-planned my life. And when I tell you I love teaching preschool, like my friends who are like lawyers and worked in corporate would call me during the day. And I'd be like, oh, girl, let me call you back. I'm next on the slide. And Jonathan stayed trying to cut the line, you know, and they'd be like, you sound like you're having fun. I'm like, I am. It's nice outside. I'm on the swing. I loved it. And because I loved it, I loved it like nothing else. I finally found my, my place. I excelled so much. I was teacher of the year. The state would come visit. We were model classroom. I mean, I was winning every award you can think of. And I remember my father being like, oh, because he didn't want me to go to become a teacher. He wanted me to go to law school. But once he saw how I excelled, it's like it clicked for him. My mother like, oh, with Tiffany, you can't just put her anywhere. She has to be happy there if we want to get the best out of her. And so once I learned that about myself and then I really thought I'd teach forever. What happened is a 2008 recession hit. And like so many people, I lost my job. And as a result, I thought that I was burnt out from teaching just because day in, day out, the kids were awesome. The parents, uh, you know how y'all be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, right? But even the parents, you could get cool because I'd be like, Jamila, girl, you know, I love you. Because is your preschooler or boy or girl? So right now, girl, but they're not far behind each other. All three of them are like six, four and two. So if you knew me as a teacher, you would know how much I loved your kid, like loved your kid. You know, you're like, you know, I love your girl. Don't do that. Cause you might be like, Miss Tiffany, I feel like that, you know, um, she's not progressing with her letters or shapes or numbers. Are you spending time with her? And I'm like, don't do that. You know, I stay, I come early. I stay late. You know, like these kids are my kids. Like literally I would go to Walmart and get them things. I mean, everything was in, in, in 15 people at Walmart must've thought that I was like, how, how did she start having babies? Cause every, I got quantities. Right. So like, so even the parents and I, you know, because once you know how much your teacher really cares about your kid, you're like, I can tell this teacher really loves my kid. But I will say like the what burned me out was really the administration because they didn't care like I cared. You know, they would make rules where I knew this doesn't make sense for this child. Why is that the rule? 
you know? And so that burned me out. And I, and I thought I was done with teaching, but thankfully I recognize, and this is for everyone listening as they're journeying to launch. I recognize that I could take a skill set and put it other places. And so my skill set is teaching. Someone teased me the other day and said, Tiffany, wow, you, everything you touch turns to gold because you seem like you're just winning out here. And I was like, let me tell you a secret. That's not what it is. I just learned to only touch gold. Oh, yes. Meaning that I stay in my lane. What you see me do is I'm only ever teaching. I don't do nothing else. I teach through writing a book. I teach through my online school, Literature Academy. I teach through my podcast, Brown Ambition. I teach through my IG lives, my Facebook live. But literally all you see me doing, the blog posts, the challenges, I only do one thing. I'm a one trick pony. Teach, 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 teach. I'm a master teacher. I have my 10,000 hours in, in teaching, 10 years in. And so I don't have to be good at a lot of things. I have turned teaching on its head. I've twisted it left, right, side, side, on, in. And so like, yeah, it was losing that job was the best thing ever because it, it forced me to take that skill set and use it different ways. Okay. And so here's what I definitely want journeyers to pick up on here is First of all, I admire your ability to look past the numbers and go after your passion because I do believe, you know, I was one of those people where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I just went for the money, which worked out, but I could have had a more joyful journey in the beginning if it was more following. And if I discovered what my passion was, I know that a lot of people listening right now are in this position where they have already chose, like, you know, they went for the money or they went for the job because it was there and they're not in their passion but they may have something or have identified something that they're good at already. And so now it's the planning of how do I transition to that? And what I want to talk about with you is how you took your skill sets as a teacher. Like you said, really what you're doing with personal finance and with your business now is teaching. Even going that route, taking the lesser job in terms of the money allowed you to be who you are today was like a millionaire entrepreneur based on the skill sets and the learning blocks that you built along the way. And I think that's a valuable lesson that yes, I think going for the money is smart, but going with the passion and also still like being smart about your money will get you much further. I think what it is, is just, it's still going for the money just differently. Right. So I was like, I, because I had to know myself, that's, what's really critical. There are some people who are like, you know what? I can excel. I got to love these people because I love my life at home. Everything is good. I take my vacations. I'm going to make my 150 a year for three years, use it to build my business. I'm in and out. To me, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But I knew me. That's what I knew that I was going to work at this job, get myself fired because I damn near got myself fired as an intern because I used to write poetry on the job and then forget and leave my computer on and my job would like with my internship. And then my, <laughs> I remember the CEO of the company came by my computer when I was like, off to the copy machine. And when I came back, he was like, nice poetry. I was like, oh, <laughs> but luckily I was like 18. So they let us lie. But let's just say they were like, Tiffany, girl, we do not pay you to write poetry on this job. But because I knew myself, I knew I couldn't take that route and succeed. So that's what I hope the, the big takeaway is, is that if going for the money so you can use that money to build whatever life you want makes sense for you, do that. If you're something like me who like, I actually will not succeed in an environment where I have not found the joy, then don't push yourself through that because you're not going to succeed. Do you think that you can find joy wherever you are though? So for someone who's already picked a career that's not necessarily what they want, but they have plans for other things, but in the meantime, they can't just jump ship. They got responsibility, they got kids, a mortgage. Because I feel a lot of people feel stuck right now um, on a lane that they feel like they should not be in. How do you feel like they can find joy where they are regardless of the job that they're in? 
So you certainly can't. I sometimes joy is not at the job. Maybe joy is I mean one of the, the things I found joy and I used to have a work mom at my um at my internship and I love Sheila. Right. Miss Sheila would bring me like food and counsel me. And so sometimes joy is like, you know what? My work bestie is here. My work husband is here. Or sometimes there's joy in learning something new. Or sometimes, honestly, there is no joy at the job. But I like to what I sometimes do is I will live in the future in my head, meaning that like so I used to right at the end when I was getting burned out from the administration, I used to drive to work. So I lived about 45 minutes outside of Newark. I now live in Newark where the Newark airport is a big international airport. So I would go and be going into work. I had to be at work pre-teaching preschool at 7 a.m. And so it'd be like the sky would be purple and pink and really pretty. And the planes would be flying overhead in Newark. And I used to pretend that I was not driving into work you know, to deal with the administration that day, if they were coming to do like a a classroom visit, I would pretend that I was driving into Newark to get on a plane to go speak somewhere, to get on a plane to do whatever amazing thing. So that would be something like, that would be a little bit of joy I would steal for myself. Like, ooh, girl, where are we going today? Oh, we're going to California because you're speaking at such and such. Oh, we're going to here because you're taping your show. You see what I mean? And now you're doing that. (laughs) Exactly. So, right. Or during nap time, I would use that time to read books or to listen to, you know, watch YouTube videos. So sometimes you're right. There's no joy in the actual act itself, but you can steal minutes from yourself that you're allowed to have, you know, because I, I encourage you to do so. Because even with Budget Nisa, I don't love every single aspect of, of what I do. So there are days when it's brutal because it's emails back to back. Even though I have an admin, there's still some things I have to do. Or sometimes it's meetings. Like I love interviews because this is like a form of teaching, but meetings to go over the budget, not my favorite. Meetings to go over what's happening, not my favorite. But sometimes I have days that are packed with that. But I make sure to infuse lunch and to take lunch in my backyard because I like to work from home. In the front yard, I have a favorite spot on the couch that looks out to the front. So you have to take joy where you can, whether it's through finding something at the job that you like, a person, or literally taking minutes for yourself. But knowing that this is not where you're going to stay, you should be planning for what it looks like when you're no longer here and how you're going to get there. Don't just accept where you are, you know, because I didn't, I thought to myself, what are you going to do, Tiffany? You've been teaching preschool for 10 years. You don't know how to do anything else. So you're stuck here. And as soon as my daycare center closed because they lost their funding during the recession, all of a sudden I figured it out. You know, like I literally would have stayed there forever. Cause I'm like, Tiffany, you don't know how to do anything else. What other skill set do you have? I don't need any other skill set. My teaching skill set was enabled me to take it other places. So that story you're telling yourself of like, I don't know how to do anything else. I'm stuck here. If your job were to close today, what would you do? And sometimes it does take an event that forces your hand. Right. Like I always say for me, jumping into entrepreneurship with Journey to Launch, what forced my hand or what felt like a natural progression was because I didn't want to go back to work after having my third child. So I was like, okay, so I don't know that I would have been as bold. I think I would have if I was not pressured with like having three kids and just having in birth. I might have stuck around a little bit longer because I felt like, oh, I just need to. But in your situation, you also came up to this like, well, now you don't have a job. So what are you going to do? So what did you do? So honestly, at first, nothing. I panicked. There was so much going on. I just bought a, a condo a few years before. So I'm like, How's that? how am I going to pay this mortgage? I'm not. I lost it to foreclosure. I was like, I just finished my master's in education. How am I going to pay this $52,000 student loan debt? I'm not. I put it in forbearance. And then I was a victim of credit card scam that left me $35,000 in debt. How am I going to pay off this credit card debt? 
I didn't know how. So I rolled over all that debt to these balance transfer cards. So I could have at least a, a, a year or so of zero interest payments and just paid the minimum. And I ended up moving back home. You know, I know everyone doesn't have that ability, but I was 29 going on 30. And I remember feeling so shameful that like, I couldn't take care of myself, but I'm like, what am I going to do? So I moved my stuff back home and stayed with my parents for a year. And I just stewed in the darkness for almost two years because I moved on my sister's couch, same thing. I just couldn't like, I could not get past the fact that I'd fallen so far from financial grace. And because I was known as the go-to, like all my friends were like, ooh, money, oh, budget, oh, girl, see Tiffany, oh, credit Tiffany. And then here I was, and I'd just fallen from grace. And it wasn't until my best friend, Linda, who'd been calling me for months and months and months, and I'd been avoiding her, finally got me on the phone. And I was going to lie and be like, everything's fine. But, you know, your bestie knows your voice. And she's like, girl, please, it's not fine. What's wrong? And I burst into tears and told her everything. And she was like, "Mm, girl, I'm calling you from my mother's couch as we speak. So what are you talking about? You don't have a job. Sis, take a look around. All of us lost our job. Credit card debt. Welcome to the club, sis. We've been in credit card debt in our 20s. You were the only one without it. I failed to see what you're crying about. I was like, wait, what? So sometimes you get so wrapped up. I call it the Tiffany show. Now, whenever I'm in a funk, you know, that lesson taught me that whenever I'm in a funk for an extended period of time, that means I've been watching the Tiffany show for too long. It's time for me to turn the channel. Like Tiffany, Tiffany, and then Tiffany, and then Tiffany. And so I turned the channel by typically reaching out to a friend. I turned the channel a lot of times through volunteer work. So that way I can expose myself to other people are going through things too. You ain't the only one, Tiff. And what I really recognized that I needed to do, and I'll share this with your journey years. And I just realized this because I, I now have a personal coach. She's also a therapist. That what was really happening there was shame. Because shame doesn't say, Jamila, you made a mistake. Shame says, Jamila, you are a mistake. And it's like, it's so detrimental. And shame thrives in silence. Shame thrives in fear. Shame thrives in shadow. Shame wants you to be by yourself. And the only antidote to shame is voice, that you have to give voice to the thing you're ashamed of because it makes it step into the shadow and you realize it's not as bad as you think. So when I told Linda everything I was going through, she was like, okay, Anne. And all of a sudden, shame was like, drats, foiled again, like the cartoons, you know? And then the more I shared my story, it's one of the reasons why I wrote my book, Get Good With Money, because the more I shared my story, the more I was like, there's no shame attached to it because shame also shields solutions. So then I was like, wait, Tiffany, girl, you learned how to budget at six. You learned how to save at seven. You learned how to fix your credit at 12. You learned how to, you know what I mean? So I realized like you have all the tools and I started just working toward those tools. But it take it took a long time for me to acknowledge that I was struggling with um, with shame. And so hopefully hearing that you you know, to find your own Linda, a safe space and place that you can share your shame so you can move past it. Yeah. So when you did realize like, wait a second, I'm not the only one going through this. Let me take some action here. What were your next steps in getting back to being financially whole? It was really just me going back to the basics. I said, let me fix my money. Okay. Let's start with the cornerstone. First mindset is always first, then budget. Let me work on a budget. I only had unemployment at the time. I said, how do I budget with this unemployment? Okay, this is what's left over. Okay, I can babysit. I can tutor. Let me learn to earn. That's one of the steps to financial harness, wholeness, learning to earn. I was doing studies. Girl, I was like, why? Yes, I like Crest toothpaste. That'll be 250 Thanks. 
Yes, I love Harry Potter books. How much is that study? Okay, $50. I was like, whatever I could do to make extra money. And as I was fixing my finances, a friend was like, girl, I'm really struggling. I don't know how to budget. And I was like, well, girl, just come over this weekend. I'll show you. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I never did it this way. This is so good. And then another friend and another friend and then and another friend and then friends of friends. And then one day someone who I didn't know showed up at my house and I was like, I, I don't know you. And they were like, no, such and such said, I'm like, you a friend of a friend? Girl, the boldness, but come on in, you know? And so what happened was, and especially I remember in particular, I used to go to the library and I had a netbook. And and I built like the first three years of business on this netbook, which is so crazy because a netbook is like the Mac Air, really small, and a, and a cell phone. It's like somewhere in between. It's almost like it's smaller even than an iPad. And so imagine building your whole business, like literally a netbook is like, a, it looks like a baby computer, like something you give to your four-year-old. And so that's all I could afford because it was $250. And I used to go to the library and like um, work for, to get their free internet. And so I was building the whole budget Nista on there because one day a friend said, you should charge people for this. And I was like, okay, maybe another little side hustle. I'll do that. Because prior to that, I started the Budget Nista to be a nonprofit because I liked volunteering. And when I was teaching, parents used to ask me to help them budget, the maintenance man, everyone used to always ask me. And so I said, you know what? And I used to go into schools and boys and girls clubs to help teach financial education to the kids. And my younger sister gave me the nickname Budget Nista. So Budget Nista was not something I thought of as a business. It was just, this is what I do for fun and I'll make it into a nonprofit. So then when she said, you should charge for these like budgeting sessions, I said, well, let me dust off Budget Nista and then maybe I'll make it into a business. But then I realized no one had any money for the one-on-ones. Well, I was going to say, was there some conflict within yourself about charging people even back then? Yes. So how did you go? Because I think this is important because as to who you are now and your business, right? It's built on helping people get better with their money. And then now we're in the business of personal finance. And there are people who are listening right now who part of them are listening and they don't want to become personal finance influencers or people with businesses. And some people are are really like, I think I have a knack for this. And I kind of want, I love the way that Tiffany has built her business. I love the way Jamila has built her business. But then you get into the stage of, okay, we're selling financial education or budgeting or whatever that is that you, you put that label on and then charging for it. And sometimes it feels like, wait, should I do should this just be free? But then you're teaching your audience that they should earn. So how is it that you're not going to earn? So how did you get through those emotions? It was so hard because I would sit down with someone, typically like nine times out of 10, a woman, and we would do her budget. And like, we would look at it, it would say negative 200. And I would look at her, she would look at me. I look at her, she look at me. And I'm like, oh girl, go ahead. No, I'm going to pay you the $50. I'm like, girl, where's the money? I remember one time in particular, there was a woman, she was a single mother, three little babies running around playing, which I love because I'm like, I miss preschool. And so like, we're doing her budget and it's like negative $100. And she's boohooing because she's, I don't know, I'm going to make it. And I was like, you're not going to keep me out the gates of heaven, sis. Keep your coins because how these babies going to eat? Like, I felt like, honestly, asking her, does she need money? I'm like, do you need anything? Because I don't need Oh, babysit on Friday. I just couldn't. I mean, I know people will tell you like, uh, people love to say stuff like, especially about women. That's the same woman that'll buy sneakers though. That's the same woman. Everybody doesn't navigate like that. You know, there are people who are actually struggling and the people that I was serving, they weren't frivolously, frivolously spending their money. There just was not enough money at the end of the month, you know? And I said, okay, Tiffany, this is not going to work because you're spending hours of time you're not making any money. So I, sp- I went and reached out to my mentor. So I encourage people to ask for help. 
So I reached out to my mentor, Christine Carter. I remember she got the first million dollar grant in the city of Newark. And I remember being so impressed with her. She was a sister. And I was like, Christine, what should I do? Because people don't have no money, girl. I can't, I can't take their money, but I don't have any money. <laughs> and she was like, because Christine was big on contracts. I never thought about that. Because she, Christine, wanted you to do something good. So the contract that she got was to build a homeless shelter. So Christine's life was all about service. That's why I loved her because she was all about service, but she was bossing up and making all these coins. So she was like, I realized that too, that the very people I wanted to serve, the homeless, who they don't have no money, girl. So she was like, I looked for contracts with someone who had money so I can serve the community that didn't. And I was like, ooh, bet. Now what? She's like, girl, that's it. I got to go. I got a meeting. And I was like, wait. So what I did was I was like, okay, who can I get contracts with? And I thought about all the places that I volunteered with before as a budgetista. And I emailed them. There were about 50 places. I emailed them and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. Tiffany, you know, I used to call myself budgetista. I used to volunteer here. I started a business helping people with financial education. I would love to see if you, if you would want me to teach at your, you know, your organization. Nobody emailed me back except for one organization, the United Way. Her name was Catherine Wilson. And Catherine, what I didn't know that it was like in her first few months of being the community developer or something to that, basically she was supposed to look for resources for the community. So it was like the perfect person. But I, I didn't even know Catherine, whoever was there before, maybe her name was Amy or something is who I knew. And she's like, oh, and her email really literally read, hey, Amy no longer works here. Sorry. I was like, wait, well, who are you? Could I meet you? And she was like, okay. The next day I was in her, Catherine and I are still like really good friends. She's one of my best friends to this day. The next day I found myself in her office. We're the same age and we just clicked. I happened to bring, I had written this book called The One Week Budget back then. I brought it with me and I was all nervous and we're talking. But then once I realized we clicked, we became fast friends and I did what I do best. Catherine was like, um, uh, budget needs to, huh, girl, I can use a budget. I'm like, well, what's the issue? Because the teacher, my ears perked up. And sitting right there, I whipped out the book and we mapped out her whole budget. It just came innately. And she was like, that was amazing. Do you think you could do this with my staff? I was like, girl, do y'all prepay? <laughs> I can't eat, but no, for real. And she was like, okay. She cut a check for $500, which I was like, $500. And she was like, okay, I'll see you next week. And so um, with that $500, a friend of mine had found this, because I, I was tired of my sister's couch. A friend had found this really beautiful brownstone that was running out by the room. Because um, in Newark, where I um, lived, is a, it's a college town. So oftentimes you can buy very inexpensive housing. You know, they're like, these college kids, I'm like, look, I, by the time I was like 32, I was like, but I'll take it. Because it was just her. And she, my friend was my age and she was struggling too. So she was trying to fill it with all her friends so no college kids live with us. And so I was like, I have my $500. That's all the lady needed so I can move in. And I just figured I'll figure out how to make the rest. When I tell you I taught my heart out, I went to the dollar store and got like folders. I, I um, made copies at the United Way. I, I just gave my all to teach the staff. I did such a good job that people who weren't there that day heard about it. So Catherine called me again and said, girl, it was so good that the staff that missed it are upset. Can you come back? And she's like, and yes, I can prepay again. I was like, yes. So I made $1,000 in two weeks. And then she was like, this was so great. We actually have this program because we got all this money from this bank. And the bank wants to give it to the community, but they'd like the community to have financial education first. Do you have a curriculum? I was like, yes. Meanwhile, I did not. But I was a teacher and I had my master's in education. So I knew how to write curriculum. I just never wrote one. And she's like, okay, how, how many weeks is it? I remember I was like six, 
girl, <laughs> Jamila, I was just making stuff up. Like, mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, um, make me a, um, a proposal. I was like, okay, proposal. So I did not know how to write a proposal. And so I went on Twitter. This is why I, I'll say this, that you will hear as my story progresses, how things, there were throwbacks that had I not done this, this wouldn't happen. Had I not done this, that all your experiences matter. Yes. All connected. It's all connected. All your experiences. So I had tweeted, hell, I need to write a proposal. I don't know how to write a proposal. And I will never forget this woman named Michelle Thomas. At the time, I didn't realize that she was the communications director for the city of Newark. She had seen all the volunteer work I had been doing for years. And as the, the communications director for the city, she loved it because it looked good on the city. So I didn't know that at the time, but she reached out to me. She tweeted me. It's like, Tiffany, I love what you're doing. I'm going to help you. And then later she told me it's because I saw all the work you did for the city. I said, well, let me pour into her because she's poured into my city. So Michelle put together all my mosh pots of ideas into a proposal form. And I submitted it to Catherine and I got the gig. And it was $500. It was either three or $500 um, for each class. So I went from making no money a month to making like $1,800 to $2,000 a month. You know, and I was like, oh my goodness. So that was my first contract. And then I convinced them to buy books, you know? So I was like, okay, so now I'm making 2,500. Then I was like, I could teach two of these classes. I could do a Tuesday cohort for six weeks and a Thursday cohort. So now I'm looking at $4,000 a month. I was So for three years, I worked with the United Way and I realized I went from one-to-one, which didn't really pay much, to one-to-few with the United Way. But through the United Way, I learned to market because the first cohort, only five people came because the United Way did the marketing. And I was like, they're not going to pay me to teach five people. So the next time that we did a cohort, you know, the six week co- course with the same people, I said, can I post about it on my social media? At the time, there was no Instagram, there was Twitter and there was Facebook, but there was no business on Facebook, just personal stuff, you know, and it was just a regular feed, no algorithm. So I changed my name on Facebook to Tiffany, added the budget needs to as my middle name, Aliche, and I got to marketing because my degree in business, I have a concentration in marketing. All that coming back. All that coming back. So I used to be like, hey, want to take free classes? So I was using all my marketing acumen. So the next cohort had 20 people, the next 50, the next 100, to the point where we had to get, we had to literally rent rooms for like how many people wanted to come to my classes. And so the United Way loved it. I went from one to one to one to few, right? And then I thought to myself, huh, I'm making like $4,000 a month now. This is great. But how do I up my, you know, if I want to increase and make more? You know, because I remember my goal was to make $10,000 a month. How do I do that? So I had to go to one, from one to one, one to few, you know, I had to wait to one to many. And it came to me because I was visiting a friend of mine and he, he was celebrating because his brother just became like junior class president. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. You know? And he was like, yes, I'm so excited. I get to book speakers and stuff. I said, wait, you get to book speakers? The 18 year olds get to book speakers, yo, they wow. He was like, isn't that crazy? He was like, yeah, the next speaker, you know, I'm thinking like our budget's about $1,500. I said, excuse me, $1,500? How, how long does the speaker speak? He's like, about 45 minutes to an hour. I was like, I too am a speaker, <laughs> you know? And he was like, I told him I did financial education. And he was like, all right, bet. That was it. Because the way colleges work is that colleges do all the work behind the scenes. They figure out the budget. They disseminate it to like all the for some sororities, fraternities in the clubs. And then they give you an advisor to make sure you don't go too crazy. But ultimately, it's the kids that decide. And so he was so he had me come to speak. And I remember thinking like, wait, I can do three United Way um, um, classes 
or I could speak for one hour and make that same 1500. That's when I shifted from one to one, one to few to one to many. And I was like, okay, same Tiffany, less time, more money, more people. And I said, okay. So then I started speaking at colleges, high schools, um, organizations like Prudential, banks, JetBlue, like all these different places, because you got way more money for way less time. And I said, okay. So I didn't have to do as many. I could do two speaking engagements for one month's worth of a United Way um, teaching. So then I started to think, okay. So then I was starting to make $10,000 a month, you know, as the budgetista. And I thought, well, how do I get to the next level? You know, how do I make multiple six figures? So it's one-to-one, then one-to-few, then one-to-many. What is one-to-infinite to look like? So I was still doing the United Way. This is when um, social media started to really open up and the algorithm started to come into play. Because before it was like, if you lived in Jersey, you saw my post, that's it. Maybe New York, you know? But then someone hit me from Florida. was like, oh, I want to come. I was like, girl, you live in Florida. This is in Jersey. Oh, man, California. I want to come on social on, on Facebook. And I was like, well, this is in Jersey. Oh, man. And I thought, huh, how do I serve these ladies where they are? What if I created, t- took this curriculum that I wrote, that I own, and put it online for one to infinite so I can reach an infinite number of people? And so I created my first literature challenge. And, um, and it was totally free. And my goal was to get 10,000 women to sign up. And my goal was to get it sponsored. So I got the 10,000 women to sign up. It took me eight months to organically get 10,000 women to register. And I remember, I think I got maybe like $5,000 in sponsorships out of pity sponsor from Prudential. I remember being so frustrated because quite honestly, once the financial institutions realized that my audience were women and black women in particular, they didn't want, they didn't want to sponsor. Mm. And so like, they would be excited about the number. And this is how I know it's because it's black women, because my, my media kit had black women. When they heard the number, they were like, let's do it. When I sent my media kit, and I would visibly see, because I would meet with them, when they saw the face of the black women and they'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is a fit. What they meant was we don't serve black women, but I'm glad they said it because they're fools. Because, you know, now they sweat me, obviously, because if I would have partnered with one of them, maybe my live with your challenge would belong to one of them. And the challenge is the way I built my audience. So I, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do it myself. I pieced together, cobbled together money that I barely had. And I launched the first challenge. And by at the end of the first year, we had 20,000 women signed up. What year was this? This was, I want to say 2014. I think the first challenge launched. So by 2015, I had 20,000 women signed up and then 50, then 100,000. And to this day, we've had over 1 million women take one or more of the literature challenges. But- Then when I learned, one of the ways I learned to monetize the challenge was as a result of my audience. The challenge, the first challenge was going to launch in a month and they were getting so excited. The women, the 10,000 women that signed up and someone said, is there a book version? And I was like, sis, the challenge is free. Because my thinking was I was going to find a financial backer for the challenge. So why would you want to buy a book? And someone's like, well, I don't, because the challenge is online. Like it was like a a blog post series. And I was like, well, I don't want to read everything on the computer. And then a couple other people, well, I want a book. And I was like, Okay. So I found this young um, graphic designer, Hector, who I still use today. I told him, can you take all these blog posts and put it in a book? And he did. He he formatted it beautifully, put the cover on it. And I was like, all right. So the challenge launched and I was like, and here's the book. And I sold $10,000 worth of books that month. I was like, wait, what? It was my first $10,000 month. And then I was like, and then I learned about affiliate links and, and things like I didn't realize that there were there were there were already um, banks and things that I liked that I put in the challenge. 
like, I like this bank and I like this. And then someone was like, you know, these people, sometimes they have a link that if you send people to them, they'll pay you. So by the second challenge, I started to do that. So the challenge started to generate this passive income. Every challenge had a book. Every challenge had affiliate links for the banks and the things that I really enjoyed. So it was generating thousands of dollars for me automatically a month from this free challenge. So it wasn't a burden to my community, but it allowed me to make income. And then I realized, well, how do I really expedite this one to infinite? And so I started an online school, the Literature Academy. That's when we got to the point where we're making like really good uh, money. The Academy is like 40, but well, it's 50 bucks a month, but there's always some sale running. But about 50 bucks a month, we have over 40,000 students. So it um, collectively, my businesses make eight figures a year. So just over 10000 $10 million a year as a result. So that's what that one to infinite looked like. This is all within a 10 year span, really shorter, really about seven, eight year span, one to one, one to few, one to many, one to infinite, teaching, 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 teaching along the way. Journey is you just got like a crash course in building, <laughs> going from, you know, <laughs> zero to scaling um, a million dollar business. And actually, while you were talking, I just want I had some just takeaways just for people um, that I wrote down. Someone else, maybe you heard something and you, you took away something different. So tag myself at Journey Tange and Tiffany, what's your Instagram? At the budget Nista. So here's what I got. You sent emails to 50 people. Only one person responded. So shows how you keep going and you might not get a response on the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th email, but it maybe it's the 50th, maybe it's the hundred. So I love that part. Ask for help. Yes. Speak up. Like you have to speak up and ask for help because you never know who in your friend group or who a friend of a friend knows that can help you with something that you're struggling with. Share your journey. You talked about on Twitter, like you were just sharing what you were doing. And because of that, when now it came time for you to need something and say something and ask for help, that person was like, oh, I remember you because you were sharing your journey. All your experiences are for a reason. I don't care right now if you're listening, you're just like, well, I don't know what this reason's for that I'm sitting in this <laughs> cubicle or at home doing this thing I don't want to do, but it is that. And if you look at it that way and you can build upon the skill sets or the experiences, it will lead you to something else or help you in the future. I love the in-person work that you had to do to get to where you are Yes, because so many people want to start and say like, oh, I just want to like go online and just do the work. But you, I know things are different with the pandemic, but you had to do the work in person with people first. And even in person, like one-on-one doing the work, like learning your methods, what worked, where were the pain points instead of jumping ahead and trying to do one to infinite, which is what a lot of people try to do now. Because I base all that, like, I, I pull like the, the one-to-one people, These are, that's a case study. Oh, that's how you do. Oh. So when I built the academy, I knew exactly what learners needed to learn because I'd work with thousands of people in person. Yeah. And so your teaching experience also helped you grow the community. And I think that is the thing. So we are talking like this part of the conversation is more like business focused, but I do think that a lot of people, regardless if you're an entrepreneur or not, can learn from just building it with skill sets because you have to earn money some way. So whether you're an entrepreneur and you're working for someone else and in a corporation, being able to network and speak up and share your wins in the way that Tiffany was doing on her journey is what can also help you. And I will say uh, one bullet that I that's probably missing is that I was only able to do all of this because I maintain a strong financial foundation. If I was overspending, like think about it, like I, ha- I was living and I'm not saying you have to do this, but I had to pull back and live frugally so I could reinvest in myself. I was like, you know what? I would love another car. Not right now. You know what? Can you walk instead of driving? 
Hey, Tiffany, I'm going to rent this room for a few years. So there were all of these, like I was always on top of my finances. Once I had that financial trauma and, and during the Great Recession, I said, Tiffany, your finances are going to be the reason that you're going to be able to live the life of your dreams or not. So do you want to take what I call the short-term L for the long-term W? You know, like the short-term loss, meaning like, okay, don't nobody really want to live in this room, but we're going to do it. You know, I would love to get a nicer car. I would love to be able to afford better clothes. But if I can take this, what seems to be temporary loss, I can pour back into my business so I can have a long-term win. That's why literally, like, I mean, I started the budget in 2008, but I didn't really do anything with it until 2010. And I didn't really start rocking and rolling until 2013. So you're seeing like to grow, not just a multi-million dollar business. Like, no, last year we cleared over $10 million dollars. I've only had, ever had two jobs as an adult, preschool teacher and what you see me doing now. So in like seven, eight years, I've built up to $10 million. So that financial foundation component cannot be overlooked because if you don't have that, then nothing else works. And I'm glad you took it back. We're taking it back to like the personal finance and being a good steward of your money because it, how whatever is coming in, wherever it's coming from, you have to be able to manage that and have that as a foundation, right? And so I do want to talk a little bit about um, your book, Get Good With Money, which, you know, literally is like a manual of everything that you need to do to get good with money. And I love that. I love that. Like literally, you you can go to anything about insurance, credit, like building your credit, like it literally has everything in it. And so I want to talk about a little bit like the foundation, like this, this concept of financially whole. What does that mean to you? And what are, if you want to share, like if you could just, top baseline things that you'd want someone to do from listening to this episode and then find the book? So to be financially whole is when the 10 aspects, 10 core aspects of your financial life are working together to create the strongest financial foundation possible. And I came up with the concept of financial wholeness as I was working through my journey as this entrepreneur, because I thought to myself, the rockiest time is when I was furthest from financial wholeness. And when I was like, even now, like there were times, you know, cause pandemic was hard for a lot of people, including myself. There were times when I was just like, are we going to be all right? Yes. Because I had achieved financial wholeness. And so those 10 steps are budgeting, savings, credit, debt, learning to earn first five. And that's the, that's the, like the core, core foundation. Then next investing insurance, net worth, your money team, your financial professionals and estate planning. That's the next layer. When these five, 10 things combine, they really create an atmosphere that any financial house can be built on. You want to start a business? Great. You're financially whole. You want to make more at work or take a risk or make a little less at work to learn something new? Great. You can do that because you're financially whole. And Jamila, I think to myself, like moving back, like I'm like, I still am preschool teacher Tiffany because what do preschool teachers do but teach the foundation for the rest of your educational life? I am going back to like, you know, I'm not even going back. I don't know that I've ever moved away from, I am your first teacher, letters, shapes, colors, numbers, some reading, a little bit of writing, because if I can get my three and four year olds, because most of the babies I taught were black and brown babies. And I always thought to myself, I don't know what's going to happen after this, or your teacher's going to love you. Like I love you. I want to give you everything you need that no matter what you have the foundation to succeed in life. Cause once you can read and write, And so even though most four-year-olds, you know, that's not the expectation, I would really try to get my four-year-olds to to that space because I wanted to know that no one could take that away from you, that foundation that you can build the rest of your life on. So it's the same with finance when it comes to me. 
that I want you to trade options and and do insured. And I want you to, I want you to, you know, buy real estate for investing proper purposes. I want you to do all those things. But for me, I want you to learn that foundational financial information that you need to be able to build that life on. I want that when you experience financial trauma and drama, that you land safely here at your foundation, at your core. And that's what Get Good With Money, 10 Simple Steps to Becoming Financially Whole will do. It walks you through every step. I even give you homework as a teacher, step by step by step, how to do every everything I just mentioned. It's really what I call my love letter to the women that will be reading it because I poured my heart and soul and, and love into this book. Just like I said, Jamila, that I would love your daughter. And you'd be like, I just love Miss <laughs> Tiffany, right? Because I literally kids be like, I don't want to go. I want to stay with Miss Tiffany, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right? Exactly. That's what every parent like, Miss Tiffany, you let, you let kids sleep over? I'm like, no, sis. <laughs> Right. But that it's still me where like I put so much love and and empathy and kindness, but also knowledge into all that I do, because I want you to walk away not needing anything. I want you to walk away this confident, capable woman who is able to take on the rest of her financial life. And that's what Get Good With Money is going to do. I feel really um Usually I'm pretty hard on myself. I think like many, many um, overachievers and entrepreneurs, and I usually am like, yeah, all right, this is all right, you could do better. But I feel for the first time in a long time, like fully proud of what I've been able to produce. I even read it, which was brutal, like doing the audio version. Like it's a lot. It's like four days of like eight hours of reading. But I did the audio version too. And I just can't wait for, you know, this baby to be, well, it's out in the world now. And um, yeah, Get Good With Money, I think it's going to change a lot of lives. Yeah, I can't wait for people to get their copies. And now I just want to talk quickly about your own personal financial journey. So you talked about, you know, growing up and having the financial foundation. Then, like many people who are impacted by this pandemic and life that they can't control, you had the recession happen to you and you're kind of like the rug was pulled up from under your feet, but then you have to rebuild. Now it seems that you're in a position, you know, you have a business that is generating a lot of money, right? And I always say, you know, income is one thing, but like net worth is like another, like your actual like assets. Where are you now in terms of your financial goals? Wealthy. Wealthy. Yes. Yes. Wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's so literally I was telling my husband the other day because like we're just regular people, especially my husband. He grew up in the projects. Like he just, and so sometimes he'll be fussing over something and like not fussing, but be like, oh babe, let's not go to Whole Foods. We can get those bananas 50 cents cheaper. At ShopRite, I'm like, you know, we, we're millionaires, right? Many times over. Like we're not, it's not like, oh, and when I say millionaires, I'm talking about in cash. So like not cash, but because sometimes you'll, just, you know, like, yes, do our, our collective um, assets, like the homes, because we have this home and then we have, um, we have a, another real a property that we purchase and, and our assets. Yes. But we are also in, like, if I wanted to pull money out of like stocks, bonds, savings, like, so like millionaires in the hard asset, but also in the liquid asset sense. And so I always tease him when he's like, you know, like, let's just go down the street and get the bananas for 50 cents, which is good, you know, but like, I never thought, not, I won't say I never thought I'd get here. It feels strange to be here because I could still see the Tiffany from eight years ago. And that's the thing, right? Because I, like many people, when I say, okay, when I have that, like those millions, this is what I'm going to do differently. Like I said, I joked around the other day, because I don't know if you saw um, Lil Yachi 
when he he talked about um like always having to, I like always having to work. So for people who are not aware, he just made a comment that if he has like literally baseline expenses fifty three thousand dollars a month, and he has to keep working. If he doesn't keep working, even if he had million, twelve million or something in the bank, it will run out. And I was like, well, you know, technically, if you're doing like the math, not not really if you're investing it. And so. I made a post about it and I was like, well, if I had that money, like I might do a podcast once a year. I don't know. I'll see how I feel. Right. You are actually in the place where you have the financial security and independence and you're still working as hard as you work and doing what you do. So what you're doing now, did you think that you'd be different or or have a different life when you got to this point? I think everybody thought that because I thought, you know, first of all, I thought every million had like a yacht and like a mansion, <laughs> all those other stuff. And and uh, I don't ever necessarily see myself ever with a yacht. And I, I thought one day that, I, you know, I always ask my husband, so do we, should we get a bigger house? But honestly, the truth is, it's me, him, and I have a stepdaughter that's with us half the time. And like, we have a, a beautiful house now. It's five bedrooms, three, three full baths, finished basement. And this feels like almost just too big because five bedrooms, there's two of us, you know, and then part-time one, one other person, you know? And so... I don't know that I would get a house much bigger than this. Um, and we fully, like, we bought this house. This house is, we bought it cash. It was a, a foreclosure for 180. We renovated it cash. So we don't have any mortgages. Even on the other property, it was a tax deed from the city. We bought it. A tax deed is when the city repossesses a property that hasn't been paid, taxes haven't been paid on. So we bought it for $10,000 because it was run down. And we've renovated the house and we're renting it out. And so that house also has no mortgage. So we own two houses, no mortgage. I have a car. He has a car, car, no car note. I'm debt free like a five-year-old. So I hear little Yachty, but he's made a misstep that he's inflated his life to a point where now he's a slave to what he has to do. Like, like if I told you how much our life costs us a month, it's not far off than like what it costs when I was a preschool teacher, because we don't have any major bills. We don't have a mortgage. We don't have a car note. Our car insurance is pretty low. And as a result of, you know, us owning our cars, um, I, you know, like the, our overhead for life is pretty low. So we don't need to make as much. It's to, it's to the point where what I bring home, sometimes I have a certified financial planner to help us like really with wealth building. What I bring home, sometimes she'll ask like, wait, so I'm looking at your tax return. It said you made this. And I'm looking at what we put up. It says you put up that because like we're like we're spending and it doesn't mean like, I mean, we buy things, but we just, I make way more, way more than enough than what's necessary and needed. And what's I'm not working hard for the money now. I work hard for the legacy, you know? So I remember, I was just remembering that. So I'm one of five girls and my father, um, he wanted a son so bad, but you know, didn't happen. <laughs> and after girl number five, as you know, my mom, my mom was like, bro, you're lucky you got five. Right, you're done. Like, good. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> yes, it's a wrap, right? And so, but I always saw, I felt bad because my, my father's last name is Aliche. And I always thought, wow, he's not going to have a son to pass that Aliche name down to. That's very big for, for, for African men. My, my father's Nigerian, as am I. And I remember thinking, you know what? Although I won't be able to pass my name down to my children, what I can do is I can make his name immortal that if I can get my name on a book, then Aliche will live on forever and ever. And it just hit me. I was like looking down at my book, Get With Money, and I'm like, wow, did it. there it is. That like, you know, like I, I've self-published like smaller books and things before, but this is my first big book. So even when my dad is no longer here and I'm no longer here, this is like the son that he didn't get to have. Like this name gets to live on and on and on. And so that's why 
I work so hard because I enjoy doing the budget needs to, I love, love, love. When I tell you, I love teaching. I mean, randomly you'll see me on a live giving everything away. Like, and then, and this is how you do this. And people are like, you're not going to save that for this. I'm like, I don't believe in saving stuff for, for that. I, I believe that you're put here for a reason. Do that thing, regardless of what the outcome is. You can only, I can only control the input. You know, I can't control the output. It's called the law of, uh, of detachment that my job yes. is to put in, not to worry about what comes out. Joyfully put in, to joyfully put in like you have been joyfully, doing. Yes, yes. Joy- mm-hmm. And so people used to tell me, you're foolish. The challenge is free. You're bugging. You're, you're giving all the stuff away for free. You're bugging. The literature account is only 40, 50 bucks a month. Well, all the stuff you're bugging. And yet my bugging has led us to eight figures a year. Yeah. Somehow, it, 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 you see what I mean? You know, and and I think I read somewhere less than 2% of women owned and led businesses ever make ever set over seven figures a year. And we're at eight. And I know that we're going to reach nine all while giving that service. Tiffany is still here. Service, empathy, kindness, not just to the women we serve, but to internally to my team. Like I call my, my team of mostly women and mostly women sisters. Dream catchers, not dream catchers. I call y'all dream catchers, my um, my audience, but I call my women internally unicorn, unicorns, because I tell them they make magic happen every day. I believe you can live a life where everyone wins, where you can do good work, you can help good people, and you can make good money. It is it is possible to do all of those things. So in all that I do, I do so with the pride of my ancestors to give my best. And that's why I'm excited about Get Good With Money because I've poured all of that in here. You're going to be like, girl, this could have been two books. You played yourself. No, I want you to have everything you need to succeed. I cannot learn a thing and not teach a thing. I'm not capable of keeping good things to myself. If I have something, it's yours as well. I don't know if that's, uh, Jamila, I don't know if that's part of me because I'm like one of five girls. And you know, your si- everything was like me and my sisters, me and my sisters and I've extended my my sisters to the million plus women that I get to serve. So, oh my gosh, this is, I think you are just a walking testimony of giving and uh, living and giving abundantly and why, which is why you receive abundantly. Um, I just, I hope that people are touched by this and also pick up your book. One of the things I wanted to mention is when you get the book, what I'm also proud of is that you're on the cover of the book as a black woman. That's a big deal. <laughs> I almost wasn't. I almost wasn't. And it wasn't because of the publisher. It's because of me. <laughs> Jamila, they asked me to be on the cover. And my instinct was, I don't know, because then white people are not going to buy it. And not that my audience is necessarily white women, but I thought I wanted the book to be universal, universally accepted. And so they was like, okay, you'll be on the cover. I was like, I don't know if I want to be on the cover. So they were like, what? So they put, they, they showed me all these other covers with like graphs and charts. And they're like, no, Tiffany. We refused. They they did a mock-up of one of my, like they took a picture I had on Instagram and did a mock-up. They said, no, you belong on this cover. Women need to see you on this cover. You are universal. You know, why, why is a black woman not universal? Exactly. You know, and I was so, I'm so happy that my, you know, with my partnership with Penguin Random House and, and my, my agent, Heather, Heather Jackson, neither of which none of them are, are women of color, but they saw me and they were like, you're women and other women need to see you. And so, yeah. And so I, this cover is literally Black Girl Excellence because the, the photographer, I insisted, I said, what y'all not going to, like, if I want to be on the cover now, I got to control it because you're not going to have me looking ashy. Crazy, right. <laughs> yes. So Tanetta Bell, she is, she takes all of my headshots. Sister took my headshot. 
Leela Nima. I said, a sister has to do my makeup. So she always does my makeup. She killed it. My sister styled me. This is Rent the Runway. I was like, since I need an outfit. So she pulled from Rent the Runway because I'm such a tomboy. So I usually don't wear like dress up clothes. So pulled from Rent the Runway. Then I asked my baby sister, Lisa, the one who gave me the nickname Budgetista to come to like for the vibe because she is, you know, these young girls like, you know, they, they're on. So they, she is a Instagram model. I have one of those. I have my little sister. She is just like that. I'm like, I'm just living to you because you I'm just old at this point. So like. <laughs> Yes. So she's behind me like, do this. No, look like this. Make your hand, play an Afro beat in the background. So this is, it was just the like, like literally the sister's hands that touched to make this possible. And just the universal sisters that, that helped to make this possible. Yeah. It's just, when I tell you I'm excited, you know how, and some of you will know what I mean, that sometimes you, you can feel that there's a pivot or a shift, or like you are literally going from one place to the next place. This book is the doorknob. I can feel it. It is going to open up doors for not only me, but for the folks who read it. Can, can I share where people can get it from? They might be like, where? <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Let everyone know where they can get the book and more and find out more about you and follow you. Well, you get the book literally at the title, getgoodwithmoney.com. And I am the budgetista on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all the things. So you can, I, Instagram is probably my favorite. But yes, when you get your copy of Get Good With Money, take a picture. So tag me. Um, I'm definitely going to do a um, book club at some point so we can work through it together. I think that'd be really fun. Jamila, thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh. Thank you for uh, being here. And I will link all that in the episode show notes too, so you can get that. Thanks again, Tiffany. Thank you. Okay, Journeyers. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tiffany, the budget Nista. I got so many gems listening to her story. I recapped some of them in the episode, but what really stood out to me was the fact that Tiffany serves from a place of joy from giving, you know, she gives abundantly. You can tell in the interview, she gives abundantly the information she teaches her people, right? She teaches because she wants other people to gain knowledge and to get to a better place. And because she just gives in that way, it comes back in the way that people want to support her, buy from her. And it's just a process that I feel like we all can learn from, Um, not just what we can do for ourselves, but what we can do for others to make this world a better place. And so I'm really excited that Tiffany's book is now out. Again, you can go get it, get good with money wherever you find books. Also check out Tiffany's podcast called Brown Ambition. And follow Tiffany on social media at The Budget Nisa and follow me at Journey to Launch on Instagram. If you listen to this episode, you enjoyed it, you loved it, take screenshots of you listening and tag me and Tiffany at The Budget Nisa at Journey to Launch and share it with us so we can see what you learned from it and let us know what you thought of it, what your biggest takeaways were. Don't forget Doors to the Money Launch Club, my membership community for journeyers who want more, who love the podcast, who love the content, who want to be financially free, but just need more accountability, tools, and support. Doors are not open, but not for long. They will be closing on Thursday, April 8th, end of day. So I want you to come join us. Go to moneylaunchclub.com for more information. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. 
One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers. 